Well, good morning. Welcome. We're so glad you chose us to join us this morning, whether you're here in the auditorium or online. So great uh, to have you with us. And today is the last Sunday in a series that we're doing called A Firm Foundation. This is the final uh, sermon in that series. It's taken us a few months to get through, but we're talking about our uh, things that we have dedicated ourselves to as a church, the articles of our faith. Not only are we talking about them kind of in theory, but we're talking about why we believe them and what they should cause us to do as a result of that. And um, so this is the final one in the series, and we're talking today about the Christian life. Uh, but before I actually get into that, um, I was approached by Aaron Mercer, our director of communications. He has this really unique way of finding little treasures throughout the church. And so here on staff, we call him uh, the Indiana Mercer. That's what we call him. He just finds all these things and he says, John, what do you, you'll, never, you'll never believe what I found. And I said, what? And, and uh, he brings to me this book, this golden treasure of a book. Um, and you might look at it and you say, well, what is that, John? And he said, which was similar to the reaction that I had, and, and he said, uh, this is the meeting notes from the first meeting when Browncroft decided to join together as a church. May 17th, 19, 1922. Yes, 100 years ago. We're going to be celebrating that in May. 100 years. And guess what? As we turn to this, just a few weeks ago he showed me this. One of the first things that they talked about, what they believed as a church. And guess what? A hundred years later, they're almost, not quite, but almost word for word what was written down in here. Isn't that unbelievable? That's a pretty firm foundation, I would say. So, um, you know, when you think about what these people were going through a hundred years ago as they sat around and said, we want to form this church together. Think about that. I mean, within the... Within the decade previous, they had all seen the newspaper headlines about the Wright brothers taking flight, right? That was what they were experiencing. They had just gotten off a few, a few years before that. They had just gone through the Great World War, the war to end all wars. They had just gone through. Um, after that, they had gone through a pandemic that had swept through all of the world, and they were only two years removed from that happening. And they sat down and decided, we want to form this church together. And as I think about the foundation that they have set for us, I'm extremely humbled this morning to be talking about the last one of these articles of faith that we're applying to our lives together because... Um, I believe this was a godly bunch of people who together said we want to transform uh, this city for the name of Jesus. And so um, together we're going to be looking at that uh, this morning. And let me look at this actually article with you. It's what we've called the, the Christian life, but um, this is how it was phrased back in the day, okay? We believe that all the saved are called into a life of separation for all worldly and sinful practices under, under obligation to all the world by life and word to the truth and proclamation of the gospel. Okay, 
So that, that might seem kind of like a long run-on sentence. What does that mean? What is that telling us? Um, let me break it down in John terminology for you guys, okay? First of all, we're called as a church in the Christian life to reject sin in our life. We're called to reject sinful practices in our life as believers. And the second thing we're called to do is to project the gospel, whether that's through our words or our actions, we're supposed to project the gospel into the world. As I, as I thought about this, I thought, well, what keeps us as a church from doing that, right? And so rather than talk simply about those two concepts this morning, I want to kind of peel back the layers of the onion a little bit, if you will, or look beneath the surface of the iceberg to go, what prevents us from doing that? from living this kind of way. And in order to do that, we're going to look at another church, a church that was established a long time ago, 2,000 years ago, in a city called Ephesus. And this city was in modern-day Turkey and was one of the most bustling cities of its time. Imagine a New York City, a Tokyo, uh, Hong Kong, like think that level of city in terms of worldwide influence. Ephesus had that. It was at the trade, it was the trade center of the area. And at the center of this city, you had a temple. And this is one of the seven ancient wonders of the world, a temple to Artemis. And Artemis was the Greek goddess of fertility. And so there in the middle of this city, the most important thing in this city was worship to Artemis this goddess of fertility. I'll let you fill in the blanks about what happened there. Let me just tell you, you probably won't fill them in to the degree that they actually happened because it was pretty crazy, okay? So that church that was founded in this city had to deal with the moral implications of the culture that was surrounding them. At the same time, Emperor Domitian had set up in this very same city, at this very same time, on the highest hill of the city, a temple to himself. And he wanted everybody who was in the city to proclaim that Domitian is Lord. Okay? So people living in that time, Christians living in that time, had to fight the the moral impulses of society, as well as the political impulses of society that would take them away from Jesus. And so in some ways, uh, this church might feel very real to us in some sense as well. Um, We fight these battles too, you know, internally. Um, And so John, the apostle, writes a letter to this church. John actually lived with these people for a number of years. And actually, church history would say that that he brought Mary, the mother of Jesus, to live in this community as well. It was such a vibrant Christian community that the people who were making idols to Artemis ended up having a really difficult time because so many people decided to follow Jesus because of these people. Okay, so it's it's a pretty radical community and amazing things are happening. And that's where we're going to pick up this from Revelation 2, 1 through 5. John receives this revelation from Jesus. Jesus tells him to write to seven churches in modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor, as it was known in the time. And the first letter that he writes is to the church in Ephesus. 
And so imagine yourself, this isn't a big building at the time, okay? These people aren't sitting in, a, in pews. They're most likely sitting in houses all across the city, maybe 15, 20 people gathered together in houses across the city, and this scroll is brought to them. Their friend John has written to them and has told them, here is a word from Jesus himself that he wants me to give to you. Okay, now imagine you here, Browncroft, are told, here is a message directly from Jesus to Browncroft. How would you be feeling in that moment, right? I mean, you're like, oh, this is freaking me out. What's he going to say? Um, and so let's read it together. Let's get down to the, what Jesus has to say. Revelation 2, 1 through 5. It starts off this way. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write... These are the words of him who holds seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Okay, Um, just so you know, this is just referring back to John's already told us this is Jesus. He's saying the seven stars in his right hand, this is representing the power that he has and the authority that he has. And those seven golden lampstands are referring to the seven churches that are across the the, uh, province of Asia Minor, which are supposed to be shining a light for him. Okay, picking up in verse 2 now. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. All right, you're sitting around the circle in the church, you hear these words from Jesus. How you feeling right about now? Yeah, pretty good. I'm like, we did it. I'm, I'm, I'm like probably going pretty crazy right now. I mean, this is Jesus that's saying this to us, right? I mean, what? this is amazing stuff that he's saying about them right here. You know, I think what this passage is telling us is this. In the midst of difficult circumstances... Jesus sees your faithfulness, okay? Jesus sees your faithfulness. And when we're in the midst of those times, we need to know that, that he sees our faithfulness. Um, But it doesn't just stop there. Um, So in the midst of our celebration, we're like maybe at the edge of our seats. John, you got some more to tell us about what Jesus has to say, right? Come on, bring, bring more good news. Let's pat ourselves on the back. Let's celebrate, right? And, and everything kind of takes a turn as he's telling this story or as he's saying what Jesus is saying to them. In verse 4, it says this. Yet, uh-oh, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Whew. Whoa. Now you're sitting there and it's like you've just been hit in the gut. At least that's how I would respond to it. Like, whoa, what's happening? Like, that hurts, Jesus. Why are you saying that? I thought we were doing good, but I think this is the point of the passage, okay? You can do all the right things with the wrong heart. Let me say that again because I need to internalize this in my own life, okay? You can do all the right things 
with the wrong heart. And that's a message, I think, not just for that church, but for our church as well. The term that Jesus uses here, uh, the love you had at first, most translations actually interpret this first love. They, they, they call it first love. That doesn't mean the first in chronological order. It means the, the first in priorities. So the first priority, you have left that first love. He didn't say you lost it. He said you've forsaken it. In other words, you have intentionally walked away from that love that you had at first, and you're now depending on your own strength to get this stuff done. Inevitably, the question that should come up in our minds when we read this is, do I, do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? That's the most important question any of us could ask as we're living the Christian life because everything else flows out of that one question. Do I love Jesus? And I remember, you know, I mean, this is a question that that kind of I've struggled with throughout the course of my life as well. Like, do I really love Jesus? I remember 15 years ago, um, you know, for many years, I, I led a within the context of a college ministry with students. And I was asked to lead here in Rochester, the entire city, uh, the college ministry here. And um, there was a training for all of us across the country who were doing this. I think there were maybe 70 people involved, something like that, uh, who were in charge of different areas across the country. And um, we were brought into this one location. And For five or six weeks, speakers would come to us and talk to us about different aspects of leading and that kind of thing. And inevitably, people would start off this way. We all love Jesus and then blah, 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 blah. And the next person would say, we all love Jesus and because of that, da, 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 da. And I just was sitting with that for a while and it kind of made me feel weird. I was like, we're making a lot of assumptions and I started to question my own life and And there was a coaching group I was a part of, maybe seven guys, and I remember going to this restaurant, and we were eating and processing life, and in this kind of moment of vulnerability, I said to them, "Um, guys, there's a lot of talk about loving Jesus, but I don't know if I really love Jesus the way that everybody is talking about loving Jesus. And then I waited it was like all these eyes looked at me, right, with like this look, blank look on their eyes. And uh, they were like, okay, John, well, and then they just went on to something else. And I was like, wow, okay, uh, I guess this is one I got to figure out on my own. Um, and, and that led me into questioning this in my life. And Really, honestly, it's something that I go back to again and again and again because it's so easy to make assumptions without actually checking my heart. Um, I love the way Rich Velotis, a pastor from New York City, says it. He says this, The sad irony of our day is we can be deeply committed to being a Christian but not deeply formed by Christ. Mm, Ouch. We can be deeply committed to being a Christian, but not deeply formed by Christ. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at in this passage. Thankfully, Jesus 
gives us a way to get back to him. And uh, he talks about it in verse 5. He says, first, consider how far you have fallen. A lot of translations say, remember how far you have fallen. The first step in our journey back toward Jesus is remembering. Uh, and, and this isn't the ultimate example, but, but many examples through the Bible, it's one of the most consistent of our relationship with God is one of marriage. And so I think of, of my relationship with my wife and where that all began. It actually began in Wegmans, uh, right down the road over here in Penfield. I had uh, worked with Wegmans, was in the management internship program with them all throughout college, got out of college and was managing here at the Penfield store. And my wife was in college working in the deli. And uh, one day, 4th of July, she comes up to me and says to me, uh, what are you doing for the fireworks tonight? And uh, I was oblivious. And uh, I said, oh, some family friends are in town, and I think I'm going to go with them. Should be fun. You know, I think that's about it. And then she went, oh, okay, and went off. I was like, yeah, all right. Went back to do my thing. An hour later, she comes back in, into the store, and I'm like, oh, she's back. Not thinking anything of it still. Um, and she comes back and says to me, uh, you know, when I was asking you what you were doing for the fireworks, and I said, yeah. And she goes, I was really asking if you would go to the fireworks with me. And I go, oh. <laughs> this is different. I like this. And uh, so I said, yeah, yeah, I think I can arrange that. And uh, Harris Whalen Park, we went right over there. That was our first date. Um, I went home playing Return of the Mac on my radio in the car. Some of you might remember that hip-hop tune. I was playing that. I felt really good about myself. And um, that, that date led into another date, led into another date, until I made her mixtapes. Now, if you're of a younger generation, you have no idea what this is. But I am telling you, a lot of work went into making this, okay? I found this in our basement a couple weeks ago. I was like, this thing is a treasure, a treasure. My kids have no idea what it is, but it's a mixtape. It's amazing. I, you know, clip art on the front. Are you kidding me? I designed this whole thing. I, I have it even organized. I, the, side A and side B. Side A is darn, I've got a study tunes. Side B is party on tunes. So it's all like Laura's college collection. I mean, I spent hours on this thing, but no one said to me, John, you better do, you better create a mixtape, you know, to do that. I, I was like, oh, I really like this girl. I got to make her a mixtape. Like, that's just what you do. Like, that's the ultimate sign of devotion is you make a mixtape. And uh, I think I made a series of like four or five of them. I can't find the rest of them. But anyway, um, so that's the type of of kind of relationship that God wants from us, that Jesus is desiring from us, isn't that we're doing things out of duty, but it's out of a desire for us. Well, all the mixtapes and the dates, and eventually we're standing right up here on this very stage, and I got a picture of it, I think, up here. Um, there we are, yes, 23 years ago, standing in these very spots. I'm standing right here where I was standing, 
minus the carpet. Thank you, Reach Initiative. And um, I'm standing right here where we were looking into each other's eyes and saying, I do. For the rest of my life, I do. Um, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into at that point. But we had committed ourselves to each other. And we were in it thick or thin from that point forward. And that's what Jesus asks us to do initially is remember. Remember where you were when you first met me. Remember what you were experiencing in those days when I was calling you into this relationship with me. What were you listening to? What were you reading? What were you experiencing? What was the, the mixtape of your life when I was calling you? For some of us, we were called when we were very little, but all of us have had those moments in our lives where we feel like Jesus is calling me into something. Even if you are here and you haven't made a decision for Jesus, that's the fact that you're here probably means that he's calling you in some way to him. What was it like? Remember, remember. The second thing he asks us to do is to repent. Repent. He says you've forsaken your first love. Like I said, that word forsaken means intentionally walked away. Um, but why? Why do I do that with my life? Oftentimes I think it's because I think... Jesus doesn't want the best for me in my life, right? I don't know if anybody else struggles with that as well, but I think I want to fill in the gaps that, that Jesus' way isn't really the best way for my life. He wants to kind of lead me to places that are scary, and I don't know if I want to go there. I don't know if I want to do that. Um, sometimes even good things can keep me away from following Jesus, from that first love experience, you know? I could get drowned out with the busyness of life and even the busyness of doing good things that I neglect Jesus in the midst of it. And so Jesus paints this picture of us, for us, of repenting. Now, again, let me go back to this marriage scene. Here I am, right? Now, what would happen if in the middle of this ceremony, I'm here with my wife and then suddenly I just kind of do this and just... Start looking at the wall, right? I'm just looking at the wall, looking there, staring. Hmm, I wonder what's happening over there. I wonder how the air conditioning is coming out of there right now. That's interesting. You know, I hope if I was doing that in a wedding, you guys would go, John, wake up. Holy cow, you have a beautiful woman standing right here saying she wants to spend the rest of her life with you, and you're totally ignoring her, right? You're totally ignoring her, John. Turn around, man. Turn around. You don't realize how good you have it. That's what repentance is. It's saying, I'm going to take my eyes off the air conditioner, and I'm going to turn around to Jesus. Oh, my goodness. What have I been missing? This is the spot that Jesus wants us in. Because all that other stuff, it can be good stuff, it can be bad stuff, but whatever it is, if it's just distracting us from him, he wants us to turn back to him. That's where he wants us. Repentance. So remember, repent, and then finally return is the last thing that he encourages us to do. Do the things you did at first. A couple weeks ago, I was, I was just kind of roaming in here, since I work here now, I was in the family uh, ministry office, or not the family ministry office, the family lounge, that's it, and I walked into the family lounge because I was getting something else in there, and I realized really quickly, I was all by myself, I realized that's the moment I saw my wife in her wedding dress for the first time. 
we had had this kind of side moment before the wedding where we got like pictures taken, but I got ushered into there to see her before pictures were taken. And I got into there and all of a sudden, bam, these memories started to come back. Just being in that place, I felt the emotions of some of that in that moment. It was like, oh, oh, I remember I remember what I was feeling. My knees got a little shaky. I started to feel the excitement. I started to feel the, the joy of what it was like in that moment. And just being in that space. And sometimes God gives us those opportunities. He'll, he'll bring us things in our lives that remember us, that for us to remember him in these weird little ways that if we're paying attention, sometimes he shows us. And sometimes it's things that are more intentional on our part. Um, like I said, our first date was to the, the fireworks on July 4th. Here's, here's, our, here's the most recent July 4th that we spent together. Um, that's us, Henrietta fireworks this time. Uh, but that's us just sitting there on our chairs, getting ready for the fireworks to happen, <laughs> if you will. And uh, every time I go to the fireworks now, I can't go without thinking about that first date that we had. <laughs> There we are. I'm, I'm remembering, even in that moment, I'm remembering putting out a blanket for her on our first date of giving her my jacket because it was a cool July night and giving her the jacket that I had. All these memories are coming back to me every time that we watch the fireworks and I can't help but think about that first love that I had for her, that love that is the first priority of my life at this moment. Jesus wants that for us as well. And then Jesus goes on to give, after showing us the way, he goes on to give us kind of this sober warning, if you will. Um, it says this in verse 5, the end of the, the passage. If you don't repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. If you don't repent, I'll come to you and remove its, your lampstand from its place. What is he talking about? I think what he's getting across here to us is this. You can't be a light for Jesus unless you love Jesus. You can't be a light for Jesus unless you truly love Jesus. So that's where everything comes from. That's where all of the talk about rejecting sin, the talk about proclaiming the gospel to the world, it all has to flow out of a love for Jesus. As I think about the next hundred years of Browncroft, and I hope there's another hundred and another hundred after that, um, as I think about what worries me, maybe even, maybe even for myself, too, it's this. I think as a church, we have really sound theology, not that we don't disagree on some things from time to time or don't have feisty debates here and there, but I believe we're good there. I mean, push comes to shove, we've endured a lot. Um, I think as a church, we do amazing things in the community and around the world, right? I mean, if you knew some of the stories that I hear on a daily basis now, it's like unbelievable how this church is serving across the world. But the thing that frightens me is the thought that someday we would lose our love for Jesus. That we would in some way forsake our first love. That all of that would be done not out of love, but would be done out of obligation. 
And my prayer for us as a congregation is that wouldn't happen. <laughs> That's my prayer for me is that that wouldn't happen. So I told that story before about me sitting around with uh, the bunch of guys processing, do I love Jesus, right? And so some of you might be asking the question, how did that turn out, John? <laughs> did we hire a pastor who doesn't love Jesus or what? Okay. Uh, I want to fill in the blanks here a little bit. Um, let me say this. I think over time I've come to appreciate, yes, I love Jesus. But here's the other side to it. I still have a ways to go. Okay. Um, so just like I loved my wife when we said I do, I had no idea the amazing levels of love that would come after that moment there. I never knew, I never anticipated that there was so much more than what I was experiencing right there and right then. Um, and that's what I want for us to experience as well with our relationship with Jesus. How I try to, you know, work through that in my life I'm so glad that Jesus shows us some of these ways. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? With all your heart? Yeah, I pointed my head. This is not my heart, okay? <laughs> Just in case anybody's wondering. With all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, right? I think with my heart, I've had to go through therapy, okay? I'll admit that. And part of the reason for that is because I've had to work through the fears that I'm carrying with me and the hurts that I'm carrying around with me that aren't letting me see Jesus in the appropriate way. Part of the soul, I've had to, I, I make it a, a routine on a yearly basis to read through the Gospels and a lot of times, multiple times in a year, to look at who does this say Jesus really is? other than what I'm thinking Jesus is. And I'm always asking, who is this saying Jesus really is? Um, with my mind, I'm, I'm taking classes, I'm, I'm listening to things, I'm reading things that are challenging my perception of Jesus and, and getting me to focus back on him and my strength. You know, I'm so tempted in my life to look the other direction. And one of the things I always have to do is ask Am I turning somewhere else for the satisfaction in my life right now? So part of the things that I build into the daily, the, the kind of yearly rhythm for me is if I feel like I'm, I might have an opportunity to stray away, I'm like fasting from certain things in my life for a period of time to say, I just want to make sure this isn't taking over a bigger spot than it actually should be in my life. And I think that's just a good pattern for us to get into to go, Jesus, are you still my first love? Are you still the first love of my life? That's the whole reason why we did this series. <laughs> is because it isn't just to fill our minds with more information. It's to fill our lives with transformation out of the love that Jesus gives. I love the verse that we sang. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. Right? That's what I want to experience in my life more and more. Let me end this whole series by reading to you a passage from Ephesians. It's a passage that I want to pray over you. If you have this desire for Jesus to be the first love of your life, I pray that you will allow me to pray it over you as well. And then Pastor Rob's going to come up here. We're going to wrap it all up after that. Okay? 
Um, But let me first read this passage for you. Writing to this same church, this exact same church in Ephesus, Paul says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Is that what you want this morning? Yeah, I see some heads nodding. If it is, can I pray that for you? Can I pray that for you? this morning, even where you're sitting. I don't know all of your stories, but I would pray this for us as a church as we enter a new season. Let me pray it for all of us together. Jesus, I thank you that we can love because you first loved us. And so, Lord, even in these moments, I pray that you would be speaking to us and drawing us to you. And I pray this prayer over our whole church, Lord. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. 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 Good job, John Amaya. Wow, thank you, Rob. Thank you. Yes, and it was great to see you descend from on high and just <laughs> land here with us. You never, yeah, know. you never know when John's speaking, a stool could just pop up and then Rob just... Plops right there. It's amazing. Way to go. Way to go. Well, as we kind of end this series, we thought it would be appropriate for us just to kind of put a bow on it together. And so Rob and I, uh, Rob, as I thought through this, like how this series has impacted you, I mean, even the, the couple messages that I've delivered here at the end, as I'm preparing for them, they're speaking to my life. Like, how has this series impacted you as you've approached this? Yeah, you know, it's, I've never um, done this, that is to say, speak on articles of faith. I did it, I uh, made the choice, you know, just a handful of months ago because of our centennial, which you mentioned, maybe Jason mentioned. So we wanted to, you know, think about, and this is just the beginning, we got the whole year or the rest of the year to celebrate it. We'll do it in earnest in May around that date um, of the month of May. Um, but I wanted to do it for that reason alone. Let's start with our foundation. But I really surprised myself uh, at how much. Um, even though you expect, you know, I have some working knowledge of the Bible and theology, um, how much it moved me and how deeply my faith was, I don't know, energized, renewed, Mm -hmm. you know, to talk about the second coming of Jesus, which we did in a week, talk about, you know, the 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 importance of the scriptures or we opened this series or you know other key forms uh pieces of our faith how deeply it 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 mattered to me and, and what a blessing it was to, to spend you know concentrated time on that but i i want to summarize it was a great way to end this series the quote you did from uh, Velotis or however you say his name rich um that there are many people who are committed to christ i put myself in that number 
but who are not formed by Christ. Paul mm. says in that passage in, in uh, Galatians, he prays that Christ might be formed in you, mm. right? That's, that's really what I have learned. Like you said, mm -hmm. you got a ways to go. Mm -hmm. I got a ways to go. And I want to say one other thing about this great book that Aaron found, and we're going to celebrate it. Um, but how, how, you know, I don't know, providential that the last article, because it's kind of interesting, why, how is the Christian life an article? It's right. not really an article in the sense of I'm guessing that it was written to say all of these articles, these theological topics, the, you know, the, the Trinity and, and um, the Holy Spirit, etc., are all supposed to have application in the way you live your life. Right. So what a great way to um, bring it to a head. I think even the, the saints of old were saying, listen, learn your theology, but make sure it manifests itself in the way you live your life. So that, that's, that's been very rich for me, and I hope it's been rich for us as a congregation as we move forward. Yeah, love it, love it. And you and I have had the opportunity to sit together, dream together, talk about the future together. Um, love being in this journey with you. As you think about the future of Browncroft, like what's, what, what's a dream that you would like to share with everybody yeah. about that? You know, you and I joked this morning when we started the, the 9 o'clock service, I said to him, I elbow John, I said, it almost feels like pre-pandemic church, you know, <laughs> as Tricia even mentioned. And I can remember, it, it was only 24 months ago, but it seems like five years ago. Um, we had just finished, for those of you who don't know, a three-year capital campaign. This room was renovated, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, other things were done around this whole campus. And um, it felt like the beginning of something. Mm -hmm. I think the highest attendance, not that it's always about attendance, but in the beginning of 2020, uh, beginning of 2020, um, was here. And it was just this moment, like, where are we going? It's a, a ship is going to launch. And then, you know... Three and a half months later, we not only take a break, we shut the church down. So it's been interesting. But my heart is this, to answer your question. It's with the commitment to deepen our, our walk with Christ. That's what this series was about, to be formed by him. Even I love the way you, you ended this, John, to, to what does it mean to love Jesus? I said this to you the other day. Um, I, that, that phrase has never rubbed me the right way either because it sounds like Jesus is my boyfriend, you know what I mean? Or, or, or Jesus is your boyfriend, you know? But that, that's not what the term means, of course. To love, the word love, as you quoted, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your strength, your mind, and your, and your strength, your soul, the great commandment, the Shema of Israel. The word love there means, sure, it would include affection. It includes the, it means commitment. That's really what the word love, um, the underlying Hebrew word translated in the New Testament, it's to be committed with all of your mind, all of your heart, all of your strength to God, not because God needs it, he's got a small ego, but because it's in that kind of commitment we experience a kind of reciprocal love, as you talked about, and strength that makes us the people that we were designed to be. And I feel, long answer to your question, what's my dream? I feel like you and I are living, okay? We just got through the pandemic, as you said. Um, we're living in a culture, this is my summary of 2021, uh, 21st century culture, that's going through an identity crisis. That's the best way I can summarize it. From young people, uh, middle-aged people, we're going, our country, our world, people are having an identity crisis, right? And, and people have an identity crisis because 
No one outside of themselves. I know the irony is, look in your heart to tell you who you are. That's the last thing I want to do, by the way. Okay, <laughs> But it's, it's our identity always, for thousands of years, has been conferred from the outside, right? Of course, your parents tell you who you are. You're, I don't care what the kids say, you're special. And your community does, and your sports team does, and your coaches. Ultimately, God tells you who you are, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created man and woman in his image. Identity is conferred. But we live in a culture, of course, that has, to your metaphor, has turned away from God. Not always maliciously, maybe ignorantly, has turned their back on God, and they don't know who they are. And my hope and my dream is that we can pick up maybe with renewed faith or refined faith mm. here in, uh, in two, 24 months later and say, how can God use us mm. to help people compassionately, as you said, to love people in our schools, in our students, in our communities, families who are living without true hope, true understanding that there's a God who loves them, a God who created them, yeah. a God who has a purpose for their life. So that's my hope. That's my oh, prayer. Love it. Love it, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. Love that vision. Like I said, so grateful to be alongside you in it. This is fun. And um, would you mind praying us out? Amen. Glad yeah. to do that. Right. Our God and Father, we just come to you uh, on this on this morning, on this March the 20th, 2021, we give you honor and, uh, and praise uh, for being our Lord and Savior. Thank you for everyone in this room, everyone listening. And Lord, we just come to you just in a moment to say thank you for all that you have done. Open our hearts that we might have a deeper awareness and appreciation of what you are, what you have done for us and what you still want to do in this world, Lord. You are alive and well in this world. You love this world. Help us to hear, even in John's words today, not only the affirmation of um, your love and of the way you've used um, this congregation in good ways, in great ways, but, Lord, all, also a challenge to remember uh, uh, to consider, to turn back, uh, to repent even, um, a Lord of our, of our indifference at times and our, our selfishness or in our, um, you know, um, casualness when it comes to our commitment to you. Help us to turn our hearts more fully, our bodies, our minds towards you. Lord, and I pray you would use this church in this season Lord, as John just prayed uh, over us in a way that would um, deepen our, our love for you, that we would do immeasurably more than you could ever, uh, that we'd ever imagine uh, through our witness in this community. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great Sunday, everybody.